This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Ms. Prime Minister Netanyahu, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Good to talk to you, Brian. So, first off, can you? Uh, uh, when did you realize this would be the right time to put out your biography? <laughs> when I went into opposition, you can't really run uh, the country. You can't really write a biography when you're a, a prime minister or a finance minister. So, I wrote all my books when I was uh, in opposition. That's the only time that you can do it. But, but you know, since I was uh, working very hard to bring down uh, the, the present government. I wrote it actually sometimes in, while I was in the plenary of our parliament, the Knesset, in endless budget debates or uh, careening in the roads of the Galilee while I was going to political meetings. It's crazy. Uh, you've written books, so you know how odd that is, but I enjoyed it. I remember the first time I saw you was the uh, uh, Persian Gulf War, and so Saddam Hussein was sending Scud missiles into Israel. And I thought you were so composed and calm as... Uh, you know these. We don't know what these scuds were capable of. What they were. Uh, what was in those uh, rockets themselves? And I saw you were really the voice of Israel back then. Did you always have aspirations, even in the early '90s, of becoming prime minister? No, actually, uh, I I had no idea and no conception that I would enter public life. But I did so after uh, my older brother, um, who was uh, the commander of our, the special unit that we both served in died while rescuing uh, hostages in the heart of Africa in Antebbe in perhaps the most celebrated uh, uh, rescue mission in modern times. So uh, that changed my life. It steered it to a direction of public service and the battle against international terrorism. Uh, And from there I was was asked to become Israel, at a very young age, to become Israel's deputy ambassador in Washington and then ambassador to the UN. Uh, It was only after that that I seriously contemplated entering politics, which in Israel is not a genteel sport. It is not for the faint-hearted. <laughs> so I, I entered it out of a sense of mission, and I meant it in a sense of mission to protect uh, the Jewish state, to give the Jewish people uh, a secure future and prosperous future, but also to, uh, to coalesce the forces of freedom, uh, to make my contribution to coalescing the forces of freedom uh, around the world to preserve our common civilization, which is always at risk. What uh, what does the fact that you went to school here in America, what what kind of perspective do you have being that you were here and lived here for a while when it comes to going back to Israel and running that country? Well, look, I, I think the most, uh, uh, the most important thing is the uh, understanding that America is our indispensable ally. It doesn't mean it's our only ally, but uh, the alliance we have with the American people uh, is like no other because they recognize that Israel in many ways is the front line of Western civilization in the heart of, uh, of a very unstable Middle East, that we're fighting common enemies, especially Iran, that chants death to Israel, death to America. And Israel is really the force uh, that stands in their way. And I've made it, I would say, the cardinal issue of my premiership. But the other thing that I got in America was an appreciation for individual initiative, for enterprise, for free markets. And that, in many ways, shaped my decision 
to enact in Israel a free market revolution that made Israel one of the uh, most developed and prosperous countries on earth, uh, because we unleashed the, the inherent genius uh, in our people uh, to, um, uh, to enterprise, to startups, thousands and thousands of startups, which are helping uh, countries around the world. It's a uh, in many ways, that's an American influence, without a doubt. No question, but you probably do it better. You streamlined, have less institutional blocks. And I remember picking that up from Dan Senor's book. He wrote Innovation Nation, uh, the time he spent over there. I also, in reading Jared Kushner's book, saw that you slept in his bedroom when you, when you were coming through here. You know his dad quite well, correct? Yes, yes. I, I spent some time, uh, I think, in his house when he was a teenager. That's correct. Right. So what, how, would, how did that partnership work? Well, I, I think the, the larger issue was how to deal with uh, changing American administrations. I had, um, obviously, my differences with uh, with President Obama, uh, whom I respected but fundamentally disagreed with, on, primarily on the question of the relationship between power and peace. He believed that peace brings power. I believe that power brings peace. Uh, and he, I think he, he had a, a great appreciation for soft power, and I always thought that soft power is great. But if it's not backed by hard power, it's largely useless, because we look, we look at a very cruel world. And, you know, uh, Martin Luther King said that the arc of history bends towards justice. Well, maybe so, but it's a brittle arc, and it is continually pounded by the forces of darkness. And unless you're very strong and willing to defend your values and your survival and your future, uh, you can lose. You wrote some biographies, uh, I think, including uh, one of... Uh, uh, of uh, Lincoln, and Lincoln spoke of the better angels of our nature, but even he had to win a decisive battle in America's bloodiest war to ensure that the better angels of our nature uh, triumph. So I had a, a difference of view with uh, with President Obama on this. Primarily, it was reflected in our different views on Iran, the Iran nuclear deal, and on some other matters. I had less of a difference, to put it mildly, with President Trump when he came into office and his team. And that enabled us to actually get peace through strength, because for 72 years, Israel had two peace treaties with Arab states, and for a quarter of a century, we had none. Yet when we applied this new approach that I believed in, we had four peace treaties with Arab states in four months. And that, I think, is what's significant, not only for Israel and many of our Arab neighbors, but for, the, for, for history, for the future of the Middle East and for the future of peace in the world. And, and part of the reason, for, first off, on President Obama, uh, you came here and you spoke about this Iranian deal. And I, I can't even pretend that there's even another side to it. It's the stupidest thing ever. It's so unbalanced and they're so untrustworthy. And the fact that we're talking to them, it just uh, is I'm beside myself. I can imagine what it's like for you. But do you think it was personal? Do you think there was a personal uh, dislike that he had for you because he seemed to be actually working for your op- for your ouster with the opposition? Is that correct? Uh, well, he wasn't the first. I mean, Clinton um, did it, uh, and you know, you couldn't dislike Clinton because when I ended up uh, winning on the first the first time that he tried that, he called me up. I write it in, in my book. He called me up and he says, "Baby, I got to hand it to you." Uh, you, we we try to knock you down and you beat us fair and square. That's the <laughs> that's the Clinton charm of being so uh, politically incorrect that it got him <laughs> through a lot of minefields. But I thought uh, we're not supposed to meddle and meddle in other people's elections. Yeah, well, well, uh, I think they expect 
other people not to meddle in American elections, but uh, they certainly meddled in mine. And I, I took it in stride. But uh, I think that uh, I think that you asked me if it's a personal thing. Yes. Well, it wasn't on my side. I mean, if uh, if President Obama would have uh, uh, gotten out of the Iran deal, would have recognized uh, Jerusalem as Israel's capital, moved the embassy there, and uh, uh, and recognize our sovereignty in the, the strategic Golan Heights, I would have lauded him. But he didn't. And as far as I was concerned, least, it was a policy difference. And uh, when it came to things that could threaten the existence of the one and only Jewish state after the travails and odyssey of the Jewish people through the worst uh, horrors of history, uh, well, I, I, I had to state my case. And I, if that meant going to a joint session of the American Congress and speaking out against the dangerous Iran deal, then so be it. And if it also meant uh, being the, uh, you know, taking the brunt of many personal attacks, right. uh, so be it too. I am here to defend my country, and I will do whatever is necessary to defend it. You, you seem to. You knew Donald Trump before he took over, and, and you, do, you guys seemed pretty tight when he was in power here. How would you describe your relationship with President Trump? Well, on, on, first of all, it, it produced the best uh, years of the uh, Israeli-American alliance. That's Abraham that. Accords, especially. The Abraham Accords. It's historic peace treaties that uh, were begun before that, actually were begun by my speech to Congress. While I was speaking, again, this is something I described in my book, while I was speaking in Congress, uh, at those very moments, my staff got calls from Arab leaders in the Gulf who said, we can't believe what we're seeing. We can't believe that your prime minister is willing to stand up uh, against a sitting American president on something that he believes is wrong because they didn't do it. They spoke in back rooms. They spoke in corridors. They spoke in hushed tones. But here I was, you know, before the entire world. And they said, if that's the case, we want to cement our ties. And that led to secret meetings uh, that I had with Arab leaders uh, one of them, believe it or not, on a yacht in the wow. Red Sea. Who's that? Yeah, helicopter, uh, yeah. uh, who, who's that? Well, that's the next biography. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it was it led to the foundations of the Abraham Accords because again, it's peace through strength. It's peace from power, uh, and uh, and very much. Uh, I had worked on that for many years. I had the, the Mossad in contact with their security agencies, but the breakthrough came when I actually met the leaders. And I said, you know, it's high time that we forged a strategic alliance with us. And it took me a while, by the way, to present to persuade uh, President Trump and his staff, but they were persuaded. And once they joined in, uh, we could we could finish this. And I I, I think that. Uh, it's to our, uh, you know, our joint credit that we enacted uh, these uh, these tremendous uh, uh, peace accords. But I think also it's uh, it shows that if an American president and an Israeli uh, prime minister work hand in hand to achieve uh, peace through strength, you actually get both. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, our guest, I'm sure everyone recognize, uh, uh, recognizes. Um, his voice, and he's, he's been on the national stage for a while. As you know, President Trump came out and, to paraphrase, said the uh, American Jewish community has to get their act together because they don't care about Israel. And uh, Republicans uh, have done more. He has done more for Israel than any other president. Is that anti-Semitic? 
No, I don't think so. I think I think that uh, first of all, it's true that he has done an, an enormous amount for Israel, but I think it reflects a, a certain frustration in the fact that people vote on other issues as well. And you know, I'm not going to get into the American political divide, but in in general, you know, Israel enjoys the support of uh, of the American Jewish community. Not all of it, because some of the uh, uh, some in the Jewish community join the progressives who are the radical progressives who are not only against Israel, they're against, in my opinion, uh, uh, our common values, American and Israeli values. But on the whole, you'd be this is surprising for many people. The support for Israel has been fairly constant and, and strong in uh, among the democratic public, not the political class. But it's uh, overshadowed by the fact that over the last uh, decade or so, support for Israel among Republicans has skyrocketed. So there's that's where the gap is. The gap is not so much that support for Israel has gone down among the Democrats, but it's gone up among the Republicans. Uh, and, uh, of course, we welcome that uh, bipartisan support, and the more we get it, the best. So, so I'm, I'm let me just bounce this off you exactly. He says politics. the Jewish people in the United States either don't like Israel or don't care about Israel. There's people in this country that are Jewish no longer love Israel. I'll tell you, the evangelical Christians love Israel more than the Jews in this country, and he's getting a lot of Jewish leaders here criticizing that. Um, he told that to Ami Magazine, an Orthodox Jewish publication. He said, so basically... What what he said is that does that sound to you as something that the Jewish community should take offense with? Look, I think that the, the, the great majority of the American Jewish community supports Israel and supports Israel wholeheartedly. It always has. There are those who have gone to the you know to the to the edge of uh, radicalism who don't support Israel because they don't support, in my opinion, basic uh, basic values that shape our. Our common civilization. They don't support Israel. In my opinion, they also don't support many of the things that America needs. But they're the minority, a very strong, a very small minority. The overwhelming majority of American Jews wholeheartedly and unreservedly support Israel. It is also true that among the evangelical community, we've enjoyed enormous support. Right. I've uh, I've uh, expressed my appreciation. People don't know that there are historic roots that go back centuries for this. Uh, for this uh, uh, support of uh, uh, of uh, believing Christians around the world, and and part of the reason is that they see in the rebirth of Israel the realization of the biblical prophecies of the ingathering of the exiles and the rebuilding of of uh, well, it's the old Jerusalem. Um, uh, America's often said that we are the new Jerusalem, and and you are in one sense, but the, rebuilding the old Jerusalem is not bad either. So many many uh, evangelicals see uh, in the rise of Israel a vindication of the biblical prophecy, and it really is a parable for for all humanity. And it says that if you are sufficiently determined, if you have the resolve uh, and the will and the faith, then uh, a free people can can uh, overcome the ho- most horrible odds in history and uh, and create right. and shape a future, uh, a wondrous future. And that's what Israel has happened. That's what ha- has happened in Israel, Brian. Israel has one-tenth of one percent of the world's population, and yet it is ranked by the University of Pennsylvania annual poll of 20,000 opinion leaders as the eighth most powerful country in the world. You, that is not just... Yeah. Uh, uh, that's not just a, a rational... Uh, well, you guys know how to fight and you all serve. By the way, if you want to get BB's book, and I know you do, bbmystory.com, because there's going to be 
more he's going to be running again for office. Hard to imagine him not being able to get there. And final thought, the president of the United States is kind of vilifying and looking to isolate Saudi Arabia. Do you think that's a good move? 20 seconds? No. Uh, I think, uh, you know, all, all these countries are not perfect. That's an understatement. Uh, but I think that in the larger uh, array of forces, we have to galvanize a, a, a working front against Iran. Iran threatens the United States. Iran gotcha. wants to de- develop ballistic missiles against you armed with nuclear weapons. Saudi Arabia and Israel, led gotcha. by Israel, are the forces that will confront Iran in the Middle East. Pick it up. BB, my story. It's a great book. Uh, Mr. Prime Minister, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. Good to talk to you. Same here. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.